Hello, welcome to this week's episode of Called Bank. This is Nathan Mortensen. And I'm Dale Harper. So this last week for the Jazz has been more or less a disaster, is how I describe it. Is that a fair fair way to put it? Or? It was not pretty. Don't panic yet, though. Wasn't the last episode just me panicking? The last episode was doom and gloom, and the Jazz are going to lose all of their good players to free agency once their contract is over, Okay, and the Jazz will lose out and not make the playoffs. But that's not going to happen. I don't think I went as far as not making the playoffs. <laughs> the free agency talk was, okay, that was overdramatic. I will not discount those comments, but at least the next game is going to be Super Tuesday. Oh, wait. No, it's going to be Monday. Never mind. It's going to be Super Tuesday Eve. Super Tuesday Eve. Yes. So it's going to be the Jazz in Cleveland facing off against Dante Exum for the first time. And this is Clarkson's first trip back to the promised land. I mean, of you could Ohio. say of Ohio, of Cleveland, Ohio, land of the king. <laughs> no longer. No. <laughs> That's L.A. No. Okay. So I am confident in this game. However, I was confident against the Suns and I was confident against the Spurs. I'm just really hoping the Jazz pull the energy that they have and they keep it running. Since last night's game wasn't the prettiest game in the world. Is that a fair description? They they were really sloppy. I saw a lot of the same mistakes that I saw against Houston and Phoenix in that Wizards game. The Celtics game, I liked how they played up until like the very end when they just kind of gave up a big lead and they stopped having energy. But if you watch the first, even the first half of the Celtics game, the team came in with energy. They were exciting. They were excited. They they put forth a ton of effort on defense and they made some big plays. And when the Jazz play like that, they can keep up with any team. They were keeping up with the Celtics who... Mm, they might win the championship. The Celtics are an amazing team this year. so. But I haven't seen any of that from the Jazz since the All-Star break, except for the first half of the Celtics game. Right now, I think the biggest concern with the Jazz is they need to piece together a streak that involves playing good teams and beating them. They had that really great 20-win stretch that everyone just enjoyed watching. They lost to a couple of good teams, but it was just going really well. And then they dropped off the face of the planet with five losses against teams that they need to be able to beat because those are all playoff contenders, maybe excluding the Spurs, but the other four they need to be able to beat. And so coming back in and losing another four straight to the Rockets and Celtics and, then, and the Spurs, which are all losses that are acceptable, the loss that is the least acceptable is a 20-point loss to the Suns. It definitely didn't help that the Suns shot 60% from three and made 12. But it's also the Suns and you need to be able to defend the lesser players and not let them go off for 130-plus. I was really surprised that it really was Ricky Rubio's revenge. He played great that in that Suns game. He made some weird shots that you would never expect Ricky Rubio to make. But looking back at this, at the losing streak, um, if you watch the Rockets game, 
they fell the jazz fell apart at the end and but for most of the game they were playing well i was they had energy they were playing well same with the celtics game they fell apart at the end the two games that really you need to be worried about are the suns and the spurs because it felt like the jazz felt like they they knew that they should win the game but they kind of psyched themselves out is what it looked like so they they lost the game like they didn't give themselves a chance to win the game which the the jazz are a good team like they we've seen that they can play elite they just i feel like they psych themselves out they're too new or i, I don't know what's going on inside their heads I almost wonder if they got a bit too confident over the win streak and if that ended up making them struggle. They went in, they've went in just a bit too confident in these games, not with a chip on their shoulder. And then once they lose the first one or two, then they get really worried and they start playing stressed out and they're just they're not going in calm and playing just to do their best they're playing to win and so then they're making bad decisions down the stretch the Rockets loss was understandable you stayed in against a really good team and you had just played against the Spurs the night before one thing I heard someone say was once the Jazz were down by 20 to the Spurs that they maybe should have just stopped playing which from a competitive standpoint I understand isn't the way to go but from an overall season standpoint, I definitely could have understood how the Jazz just sat all their starters through the fourth quarter. And and that's something that a player should never make that decision. A player should always have in his mind, I need to go out there, I need to be a killer, I need to be an assassin, and I need to do whatever I can to make sure my team wins this game. And if that decision is going to be made to rest players when you're down 20 at the first game of a back-to-back that is the coach and the coach shouldn't even tell the players why that's happening he should just do it let the players keep in their mindset that i need to go out and do my best every game because if you get in your head that oh i'm just going to roll over cuz i'm down by so much there's no way i can come back that's a dangerous mindset and that might carry over between games that's a fair concern it did really stink that the Jazz went from having the possibility of having the tiebreaker over the Rockets, which was going to be really big, to now the Rockets having the tiebreaker. Since when we look at the standings, the Jazz are now, the Jazz have now played, what is this, 59 games. They're 37 and 22. They're, a ga- they're half a game in front of Oklahoma City, who's 37-23. And they're a game and a half in front of Dallas, who has two more losses than the Jazz and one less win. So, and then they're a game and a half behind the Rockets. So they're pretty much now just fighting for positioning amongst five through eight. If the Rockets collapse, then they could get back into home court. But if assuming that the Rockets don't collapse and they've looked amazing after the break then they're going to keep the fourth seed at the bare minimum. I hate the Rockets as both a Jazz fan and a Mavericks fan, but the Rockets are actually really fun to watch right now. I hate saying it, but they're exciting to watch, so I wouldn't expect to collapse, 
I would say that it's possible that the Jazz can get their stuff together and start winning basketball games. And that winning games is the best way to move up, not expecting another team to collapse, which as it gets closer to the end of the season, things will play out that way, that you're not going to get a position unless another team loses. But I think the Jazz, they have what it takes to win a lot of basketball games before the season's over. Because I, I went and reviewed the stats for each of the games since the Spurs, and I went and watched uh, the full game highlights just briefly this morning. I, I went through them, and what I noticed was the things that really killed the Jazz were like they boxed out 80% of the possessions, but 20% of them they didn't, and they gave up really easy baskets off of offensive rebounds. So I think just consistency boxing out would be a huge difference as that, like if you give up, what, 10 offensive rebounds and 75% turn into easy baskets, that's a lot of points. And then if you, and then I also noticed on defense, they kind of got lazy on closing out on shooters, which closing out, if you look at like deep statistics, a closeout on a three-point shot doesn't do much to stop the shot. So I don't know if that would stop that shot. But if you start getting lazy on those really simple things that you're supposed to do every time on defense, you start blaming other people on like help defense. I saw that happening whenever you a defender um, came late for help defense. He started blaming the guy that got beat first rather than saying, oh, it's on me. I need to get here faster and offense they're looking good except for in each of those games they had more turnovers than their opponent yeah and i think it just comes down to the fact of just back to basics that the that you're sitting there and you're saying okay we need to box out every possession because then we get rebounds and the jazz are one of the highest defensive rebounding teams in the league and that's their identity they need to not be lazy with the ball because they can't afford to get the turnovers and lose points on your side and give up points on the other side. Turnovers can easily end up being a, I mean, a plus four, plus five, even theoretically a plus six for the other team because you didn't get a three-pointer and then they got a three-pointer. So that's just devastating for the Jazz. And it just really comes down to the fact that when the Jazz do these basic things, that's their identity. And when they don't, they don't have the athletes, the insane players who can just go and take over a game. They need everyone to be doing the bare minimum so that they can then pull through and have either Jordan Clarkson show up, Gobert show up, Mitchell show up, Bojan show up. And when you mix those, when you get one or two of those players having a great game and the other players aren't making mistakes, that's when the Jazz win basketball games. And if you look at the Jazz, their identity last season was they are an amazing defense. Every night it's going to be tough to score on them. And they really gave that up, especially recently. Their defense is, it's not really bad. Like, they know what they're doing. They're just being lazy with it. They're not doing, like you said, the the basics, the fundamentals. They're doing it like 80% of the time, which offense dominates in this league. So even when you do everything you're supposed to, they're still going to score on you. And then when you're not doing what you're supposed to, you're giving them free baskets 
20% of the time. So I believe that at the end of last season, the Jazz had the second best defensive rating in the league, um, just behind the Milwaukee Bucks. And this year, currently, they're the 13th at a 108.7, with the Milwaukee Bucks being at a 103.8. And so the Jazz traded about seven points of defensive efficiency to have a better offense. And so when you're looking at those seven points, if things aren't going right on the offensive end, and then you're not hustling on the defensive end, then those seven points end up hurting you instead of being a benefit to you. Since the Jazz have also had one of the best offenses in the league this year at somewhere around 113, 114 points per game, I think, or offensive rating. So definitely worth it until your de- until your offense isn't clicking and then you shoot 22% from three against the Rockets and you lose by nine points. Where if you had shot 30, 35%, you win by four six point four to six points i feel like long term this jazz team they'll get things together it's just i don't know what's going to happen this season i i feel like when they made the moves this offseason um giving up some players adding some new pieces they understood that they're not going to be the best team in the league this season they were hoping for an improvement they're hoping they were hoping to be better than they are right now in the standings but I think that the moves that they made are moves for three, four years out. And they're hoping to be contending for a championship at that point. But right now, it is a little bit worrying for this season. But I do have faith that they'll they'll fix it in the long term. My The main thing that I'm missing about the Jazz since the All-Star break is especially when they were winning all those games, they... You saw the bench. They would be celebrating. They were excited. Everyone was smiling. They were having fun while playing basketball. And I haven't seen that from them recently. I I feel like they're stressed out. They're worried. They know that they're dropping in the standings. And they feel the weight on their shoulders. And I think each player individually on that team needs to step back, take a deep breath, and realize, look, I get to play basketball and I get paid for it. This is the dream job. Why can't I just go out there and love playing basketball. Obviously, you have to execute, do the fundamentals, follow whatever game plan Quinn Snyder puts together, which is hard work. You have to really practice and know what you're doing. But it's hard to win basketball games when the team isn't loving it and loving the game. And I think that kind of what you're saying was summed up really well by a Joe Ingles tweet, where the Jazz went... I love Joe Ingles tweets. The Jazz went to Primary Children's this week, and Joe Ingles tweeted, Not just me, our whole team, trust me, we hate losing, but it was great to see kids slash families dealing with real things and us be able to cheer them up. Made my day. And so that was Feb- that was Thursday. Wait, that was February 25th. So I think that was the day of the Celtics game that they ended up losing. But that is a really fair point where Joe was, I mean, saying that the whole team's down in the dumps, but realizing what you said, that they're getting played to play professional basketball. And that I'm sure a lot of times it's a blast. And then it's really hard when you're not living up to the hype. And I feel like you could say Joe Ingles 
has been a player who for the last while has not been living up to what he, the expectations he had for himself and was exceeding throughout the first half of the season. So the past month he's shooting like less than 30% from three. And he was up over 40% for the time when he was in the starting lineup and Conley was out on the bench, um, believe injured for the majority of the 20 game stretch. Joe Ingles, he's an interesting player because I, I remember this happened around the same time last season with Joe Ingles, right around the all-star break. All of a sudden, his shooting numbers just dropped off. And last season, he was able to pick it up. Uh, but I, I wonder, because I know a lot of players, when when they're used to starting off, just starting the game off, and they they have a few minutes to kind of get in the rhythm of the game, and then they can get in the rhythm and start hitting shots. I wonder if it's tough for Joe Ingles with, is he in the starting lineup this game? So he's like, like, sometimes he's in it, sometimes he's not. Like, the lineup for the Jazz is always moving around. I wonder if it's tough for some of these players to have to transition where one game they're a starter and they can have a little bit of time to get used to it. And the next game, they're expected to come off the bench and add an immediate spark, which not all players can do that. I remember Dirk Nowitzki, when he was getting older and he started coming off the bench every now and then. He said that it was really tough. He had a tough time shooting. He had a tough time playing because some players just have a tough time coming off the bench and getting hot immediately. Yeah, and if Conley's on the bench, then Joe's going to be the one starting for him. And with Conley's like injury history this season, whether it be illness or whether it be his hamstring, Joe really needs to be able to be able to come off the bench like that. And Joe started off the season coming off the bench and just having really dismal numbers. And then when Conley got hurt and Joe got to go into the starting lineup, he improved drastically and was just a really great spark plug for them going down that 20-game stretch, 25-game stretch. And Joe needs to know how to be able to come off the bench because that's who he is in the NBA. He's a great player, and he could go start on half the NBA teams, but those are the half of the teams that don't have a hope at making the playoffs. Maybe I'd go as far as saying he could start on two-thirds of teams or at least be a very valuable piece. But for him to be able to succeed in the NBA and get a championship, he's going to need to be a bench piece. It's just how it is, and I love him. And I hate the term role player, because we use it almost in a sense like as a derogatory term, I feel like. It just means they're not an all-star. I mean, you can be an amazing role player. And it doesn't mean that you're not doing things great. It just means you're filling in. And you're like the third or fourth guy instead of the first or second guy on the team. And that is something that is hard to learn. Because you look at Jordan Clarkson and he is amazing at it. He comes off the bench and he's scoring 20 points off the bench fairly regularly he's he's an amazing sixth man to come off and just ignite the team immediately if they're having like a tough offensive night but that's that's a tough thing to learn like you can drill defense you can just drill it so you know it's second nature you can get quicker and faster people know how to train for that you can work on your shot by just repetition just shoot and shoot and shoot but it's really tough to learn how to come off the bench and like because 
players who start, they've been warming up, and then the game starts, and so they're, they're kind of warm. A lot of times, bench players, they've been warming up, and then they sit down for 10, 12 minutes before they come into the game, and then they're probably cold again, and then they have to kind of re-warm up in the game. And the only way to learn stuff like this is repetition, but it's tough because each time you have the opportunity to repeat this, it's an actual game, and each game is valuable, so you can't really afford to not do your part in that situation. I think that sums up, you know, just bench play in the NBA, and that's a really hard transition. And Clarkson has honestly been playing a sixth man of the year type season, I feel like. And I guess, I mean, he came to the Jazz partway through, and there are still other amazing players coming off the bench. So he won't be in the conversation for that award, at least seriously. But he's definitely been what the Jazz have needed to, like, stay above water. I mean, when you have Donovan and Rudy having tough games and he comes in and scores 30 points and is the reason you win, that's, I mean, more valuable than anything you could pay him to have a guy like him coming off the bench and just providing instant offense. If it weren't for Jordan Clarkson, the Jazz probably would have lost to the Rockets by like 25, 30 points because the Jazz had given up. They had no energy and Clarkson came in and he hit some big shots. He went on a run by himself, and he brought them back into it. And they still lost, but it, it wasn't. It, it was a loss that was easier to swallow than it would have been without him. Yeah. So right now, to kind of move forward and talk about playoffs, because that's what everybody talks about this time of the season, let's assume that the Jazz aren't going to jump up and get the fourth or third seed which I think is a fair assumption. They'll probably finish fifth, would be my guess. Okay. They're really close to Oklahoma City in the standings right now, and really close to the Mavericks. So instead of looking at where they'll finish, who would they rather play? The Clippers, the Nuggets, or the Rockets? The Nuggets. I'm in agreement with that. So saying, let's say, I think the Lake, sorry, the Clippers and the Nuggets are tied right now in the standings. So taking a look at those standings, and let's assume that the Clippers care enough to want to get the second seed, and they end up flopping. So you have Denver at three. As a Jazz fan, I would rather see them drop to six and take on the Nuggets than stay at five and take on the Rockets. And then if they won that series, more likely than not, take on the Lakers. Is that, I mean, I feel like it's a better bracket being in the sixth seed than it is being in the fifth seed. As a fan, that is is something you can hope for, and we'll see how it plays out. But really, you just have to want the Jazz to win as many games as they can right now. I, I, I would rather... If it comes down to the last game of the season, and if the Jazz win, they play the Rockets, or if they lose, they play the Nuggets, I would hope, I would rather have the Jazz go into the playoffs with a W than intentionally lose and kind of like mentally check out before the playoffs. Well, they play the Nuggets in the last game of the season. Oh. So, so eight, eight you don't straight want to games give, against the Nuggets. You don't want to give them your strategies. You're going to go out there and play like some weird, wacky defense. 
throw them off and just have them prepare for it for the first game and then just come out and just nothing. You, you just play a straight like 1-2-1-1 one, one, one <laughs> defense and then have like Rudy just stand at half court. <laughs> <laughs> just intentionally lose the game and the Nuggets just are like, okay, we need to we need to prepare for this like... Well, I guess if you lose the game, they might not feel like they need to prepare for it. You play but. you play a triangle defense and a 2-3 offense. 2-3 offense. You literally leave Rudy Gobert and Donovan Mitchell on the other side for cherry-picking opportunities. So you play 3-on-5 on the defensive end and then cherry-pick to Donovan and Gobert on the offensive end. Would be a terrible game of basketball and no one would watch it. The stadium would be empty after halftime. I mean, if you're <laughs> just just get a sharpshooter and stick them all the way 30 feet down and just chuck it to them as quick as you can. You just put the entire G League team on a 10-day contract and put them out on the court. <laughs> I don't even think you can do that at this point. I think that's all done and over. But that would be... I guess you could do it. You would need people to get hurt and put them on the... Get hurt... Mike Conley, quote unquote. Mike Conley out for season flu. There's 12 games <laughs> left. But we never set out for playoffs. Do you know a thought I just had talking about that? No, I do not. Okay. Well, <laughs> you're going to know now. So, a guy in St. George is being treated for the coronavirus right now oh, for really? COVID 19. So, what happens when an NBA team gets, everyone gets the coronavirus? In like the course of the next two months, just I don't somehow. I don't know the rules. I know there's a rule that if the majority of the team dies, they, you the, have the, an emergency. They'll have draft. an emergency draft. But are you going to quarantine the team? I think you should for health. But imagine all of a sudden if it's like this just in: the Los Angeles Lakers are being quarantined for the next 14 days and are required to forfeit all of their contest during that time span if it happens to the lakers it will happen to the clippers too because like they share facilities i'm a terrible person <laughs> no don't I say almost, it i almost want to see what happens if this goes down just hopefully it's not the jazz um i would never wish ill on the rockets um no comment regarding other teams but that would just be a really intriguing like moment in the history of the nba if the coronavirus shut down a team or two for the regular season you see here's my conspiracy theory this is china's way of getting back at the nba because of the daryl Mora tweets you know considering how you've literally already had everybody in the nba come out and support communist china other than daryl Mori, i don't know if they need to get back but it that's a that's an interesting conspiracy. We're going to have to prove that one. And Very unlikely that it's true because no one in the NBA has been affected yet. So, But <laughs> that's what they want you to think. They're making it like take a while. And there's a really heavy Chinese populace, population in Los Angeles. Yeah. So like it's, it's possible, even though nobody's allowed to go to and from China and all of that. So the level of conspiracy here would have to go pretty high through the roof but who knows russia man they do a lot of weird stuff okay the, so assuming that this doesn't happen the jazz 
Their offense has been much better this season, but as of late, they have been playing. Like there's there have been a few plays where the offense clicks, and it's it's like watching the Spurs back in like Tim Duncan's prime, where it was just beautiful offense. It's like twelve passes on a play, and then it ends in a dunk, and you're just like that was an awesome play. And I've seen a couple of those since the All Star break, but most of the time it just feels like. Okay, give the ball to Donovan Mitchell and let him go dunking on someone, or give the ball to Jordan Clarkson and let him do whatever he does. I don't think this is going to trans like obviously it hasn't translated into wins in the regular season. It's definitely not going to translate into wins in the playoffs. And I feel like everyone's kind of freaking out about the Jazz defense right now. I feel like it just comes down to doing your job every single play rather than most of the plays. I, I think once the team like checks in again, then that will be fixed. The offense is something I'm a little bit worried about, though. Yeah, to quote pretty much every Little League basketball coach ever, the offensive possession starts with the box out. So, we'll see. The Jazz need to start running more things on the other end and trying to get people open and... But it all starts with people boxing out. And you have Bojan who, for his whole career, that's been a problem. And I do believe he's been doing better because of the people who are around him. But I truly believe the Jazz will get this figured out. I just hope it's in time to be able to go into the playoffs confident. Since that's what matters the most right now. The Jazz are in the playoffs. I don't. I mean, it's possible for them to fall far enough to get out, but that's not going to happen. Statistically, the Jazz are going to win at least 33% of their next, at least, no, they'll win more than that. They'll win upwards of 60 to 65% of their final games. And then they'll go in and they'll have a chance in the playoffs to put everything together and we'll see how it goes from there. And I I think... It's awesome that the Jazz won against the Wizards. As we talked last time, the Wizards have an awesome offense. And the Jazz have a really tough time playing against good offenses. Uh, so that's a that's a good win. Even though it was sloppy, they weren't playing great. It's still a W at the end of the day. Uh, now they're going on the road to Cleveland, which will be a nice break. They haven't played Cleveland yet, but Cleveland, they're not a good team. A lot Some of their players are banged up. I I think it's... It's questionable whether Draymond, I mean uh, Andre Drummond will play, and there it's also questionable with um, Dante Exum. So here's their road. They have a four-game road stretch. We talked about Cleveland on Monday, then you have the Knicks on Wednesday, and I've just got to say, please beat the Knicks, <laughs> please beat the Knicks. And then Boston on Friday, which is going to be a rough game, especially the third game in a road trip. Then possibly the hardest game of the road trip, even though it's not a great team, is Detroit on Saturday on the back half of the back-to-back because of the back-to-back. And fourth game of a road trip. And fourth game of a road trip. So I really believe that the Jazz need to win the next two games. I don't think it's an there's any if ands ors they need to win the next two games to have energy going into boston so that they can hopefully win in boston and have energy going into detroit i think they have what it takes to beat boston they showed that in the first half 
they just i i guess mentally they weren't in the right place i don't know what was going on but i would love to see the jazz go in like kill it in cleveland and new york really get their confidence up win by 25 points just they're shooting great they're they're hustling like the, the these easy teams are a chance for you to like really get back your momentum and then just go into boston confident as i'll get out and shoot the yeah. lights out play hard and even if it's a close loss and it's an awesome game that's awesome but i think the jazz have what it takes to beat boston on this road trip so they have personal motivations to beat Cleveland, New York, and Boston because I bet Jordan Clarkson is going to want to go into Cleveland and win. Donovan Mitchell always wants to win in his hometown in New York. And then there may or may not be some bad blood against Ennis Cantor and Gordon Hayward on the Boston Celtics. I know the fans have bad blood. I don't know if the players do. I think there's bad blood for Ennis. More, maybe not Hayward, but Ennis. I guess there might not even be players who play with Ennis anymore. Who play there's so but, many people in the NBA that don't like Ennis Cantor. That's fair. I Is it easier to make a list of people who do like him than people who don't like him? Is that what we're, is that what we're getting at? No. We'll, we'll leave Ennis out of this. He did do some good things in Utah. He just ended up he left on a really bad note and when he was the fourth or fifth pick in the NBA draft was I can't remember it was Cantor or Exum who was drafted the year of Kawhi Leonard and you look at that and you're like man if the Jazz had just taken a chance on that guy out of San Diego State you have to wonder how he would develop though it's true the Jazz do have good history of developing players well though so I don't know if he'd become Kawhi Leonard but he, I do think Kawhi good. Leonard, it was very important for him to be in St. In, um, not St. Louis, holy crap, San Antonio. It was very important for him to be in San Antonio to be in that system. And it really makes you wonder when you look at that, where other players would end up being if they had been in different systems, if they had been in San Antonio. But so just to end the podcast, though, um. What are your thoughts? How do you think the Jazz are going to do over the next... We're going to have a podcast before the Detroit game, but over the next four games, how do you think the Jazz are going to fare? So, Cleveland, New York, Boston, Detroit. Yeah. Um, I think, here's my prediction. They win the next three, but lose to Detroit. Okay. I think, as the pessimist that I currently am right now, after the last five games. I think two and two is what needs to happen. I think three and one is what I'm going to hope for. And if they win the next three, I think they go four and oh. You think they beat Detroit? But I think they're going to drop one to Boston and then the Detroit game is going to be scary. So I'm going to go to um, beat Cleveland, beat New York, lose to Boston, and then a coin flip in Detroit. And I'll go three and one, but it two and two wouldn't surprise me. And two and two is better than what they've been doing, so it's something. Yeah, it is definitely something. Awesome. Well, thank you for tuning in to the Called Bank podcast. We have an episode come out every Saturday reviewing the Jazz this week and then looking forward to the next week. We hope you enjoyed this episode, and please don't forget to rate and follow us on whichever podcast you listen to us on.